Chris Matthew, welcome to Transcending Explorations, brother. It's so good to connect with you and have you over on the show. Man, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I enjoyed you on my show. And uh, let's do this, man. I always love being on the other side of the microphone and having a good conversation with good people. Absolutely, brother. We'll get into some juicy stuff, I'm sure, and get into some great dialogue. So to start this exploration, you know, I love to start these podcasts uh, with an esoteric or philosophical question. And as of late, it has been this, Chris, it's what do you think it means to be human? Hmm. What does it mean to be human? I think it means it's just about an experience. I think we're here in these flesh avatars and this isn't us. We are spirit in our truest form, we're energy, we're frequency. And we chose to inhabit these flesh suits on whatever type of realm this is to grow and learn and experience and expand our consciousness. Cause I believe at one point our consciousness was one singular uh, type of entity, one singular consciousness that probably decided it got bored and went to experience and grow. Maybe it split off into billions of pieces and out to explore the universe and grow and, and evolve. And it has. And I think that at some point when, when piece of this consciousness uh, get far enough out, it wants to find that source again and come back. And, and it's, you know, we we sometimes lose where we come from. And I think that this whole era this awakening period that we're in right now is about that we have people that have reached the pinnacle of their journey of experiencing and being fractalized into different um uh entities and different consciousness around the across the universe that some of some of us want to get back to source and experience what that feels like and back to home if you say and I think a lot of us are trying to kind of make our journey back to discover where we came from. And this is part of our awakening. And uh, I think we're headed into a really wonderful time for humanity. But the reason we're having so much turmoil is because this is part of uh, this is a part of our experience. This is this is all this stuff I believe happening right now is designed to help us grow and learn because we can't do that without some kind of friction, uh, without some kind of pushback. And you can't learn lessons. Um, if there, if everything's just love and light all the time, you got to have some dark in there. You got to have duality. Um, Cause that's what the experience is all about. And I think that's what the human experience is. It's just us as, as spiritual entities, as uh, beings of energy and light wanting to experience what it is to be a physical, uh, to be physical. And this, whatever this is, planet earth, whatever you want to call it is the place to do that and i think that there's probably entities or spiritual beings from across the the cosmos that come here to experience and maybe when we get here we just forget who we really were before and after the experience it's like a roller coaster you hop off and you're like oh you know you wake up from a dream and you remember who you were it's all possibilities but it's all you know kind of what i've learned throughout my experiences here and uh, that's where i'm at now in my journey and my uh, level of discovery as far as understanding the nature of our spiritual reality here uh, i think it's all about a wonderful ride to experience and grow mm, yeah i think it's beautiful and I, I resonate with that especially the roller coaster analogy like that is so in alignment with what this experience is like it's full of the ups and the downs and the scary parts and the good parts but uh, when you get off the ride you realize that it was equal in the amount of negatives to it was positive so it was a balancing and quite liberating experience when you can see it from a balanced perspective i think but something um you bring up is like duality and i'm always fascinated with how people manage duality in their own psyche because i find sometimes that what it feels like to be human is this analogy that came to me and it's, it's very simple it's like being a human can feel like being an absolute schizophrenic and the golden ratio <laughs> at the same time and so it's like how do how do you reconcile the balance of human beings being like the smartest but dumbest species that we at least kind of know of in the universe like i feel like we're almost such a contradiction it can it can almost rip you apart sometimes i feel in your own mind yeah i'd have to agree um what i've learned is to stop 
forcing things, um, to let things occur, to stop like swimming against the current, I, I should say. Uh, you know, if you're out in the ocean and there's a riptide and you're trying to swim against it, you're just going to drown. I think that's the same thing with bad and tough situations here on our planet or, uh, you know, dark versus light. You can't, I don't think you can't have to come at it in a, a sense where you want to defeat it and combat it. I think you have to mm -hmm. maybe experience it and learn from it. Um, instead of fighting against some of these things that uh, cause hardships in our lives, um, because it, while we're experiencing it, we can't see it, but it's it's part of the growth. It's part of we have to go through these these hard things in order to come out better on the other end. Uh, and you know, one of those biggest examples of that is you know human relationships, the way that uh, you know men and women traditionally um, you know have lives together, treat each other. But it's, you know, you have such different experiences in each other's lives that it is hard to come together as humans at times and, and have lives together and experience relationships uh, because we've been so fractalized in different directions. Um, but I think that really the duality is necessary on all fronts. And the best way that I can kind of deal with that and handle it on a daily basis is to be an observer in most situations as much as I can, mm -hmm. uh, to take myself out of the personalness uh, and the complicated uh, center of situations and be an onlooker on the outside to try and figure it out before I jump back in. Because if you try and if you're too deep in a situation and you're in a dark situation or a tough spot, it's hard to see your way out or it's hard to see what's really happening with that unless you remove yourself somehow from that situation and take a step back and take a look back, take a look at it. And that's what I've done with many troubles and trying times that I've had in my life. I remove myself from it and kind of observe from a different perspective or a different point of view what was happening and revisit it after a while of looking at it from a different direction. Um, and that's what's worked for me. And I can only really speak for what's worked for mm -hmm. me as far as balancing in my life, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's well put. I love the way you put that, like removing yourself. And I, and I, I kind of take that quite literally what you mean by that is like within one's mind actually removing or maybe stepping away from looking at life through the ego's eyes which by nature is polarization it's a cutting machine it separates everything so we can find understanding and differentiation and, and distinguish what things are from each other but when you go back to the observer which i, I would call the soul I would say it has a single eye. So it, by default, it spontaneously views things as unifying. So the ego would see things as separate opposites. The soul would see things as complementary opposites that are contributing to a wholeness. So then we're liberated to this bondage of this polarization, which you would describe as uh, swimming against the current. Right on. Yeah, exactly. And it's much easier now since I've had the experience of having contact with I, what I understand is my spirit guides and higher self and knowing how to communicate with that on a daily basis, anytime I want to. And that allows me when I am in the presence of my higher self or my spirit guides, it allows me to remove myself from the situations and they are me, whatever you want to consider it is helping me look at situations differently and kind of giving me downloads and informations to deal with it. Uh, I owe, you know, everything that I've uh, accomplished in my life and where I'm at now to having that spiritual contact experience and listening to what these, my spirit guides and higher self had to tell me and uh, implementing it and not just, you know, uh, just going by trying to make things work the way I was because that was never going to work. And uh, yeah, I owe everything I have to that, to those contact experiences. And now I'm able to um, just reach out whenever I want and have that, that contact and that connection with my spirit guides and higher self and uh, remove myself from any situation I need to and get the information I need to process and work through it. Mm -hmm. So that's a good thing for me. Absolutely. And that's that, that, that connection to your higher self, spirit guides, um, the, whole, the whole lot is so important. And it's unfortunate because 
in our modern age, people are more connected to their Instagram avatar or their uh, Snapchat avatar or their virtual reality avatar in life than they are to not even their higher self, just their physical body. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Well, that's, that's all by design uh, and intentionally to uh, steer us into this technocratic direction where we do not rely on the natural world anymore. We, um, we are relying on uh, the physical world, on the material world, on technology. We don't rely on our own abilities and consciousness connections to everything. We rely on the internet connections to everything. And this was all designed for a long time. This is the direction that they've been trying to get us. These, these occultists all want, it's been an idea to merge man and machine for the longest time and force a different type of evolution, not a natural evolution that we've know and are used to and have humans have been doing for forever until now and now they're trying to introduce this new form of forced evolution into this technocratic um metaverse it's it's like a matrix inside a matrix inside a matrix that we're being pushed into to forget everything about who we were naturally um and be a part of a new um digital world i was uh i was talking to ben stewart the other day and he was mm. telling me about these these terrifying um studies that they're doing with psychedelics and introducing psychedelics into this metaverse where they're going to have like patches of, of cocktails of different type of psychedelics to where when you plug into this metaverse it's going to be such a blissful and like wonderful connection you're not going to be able to tell what's real or what's not you'll actually think you're actually there because this stuff is so wonderful and you're connected and that sounds terrifying to me that's like you know okay. ready player one <laughs> times a thousand that's like wally it's it's all these dystopian futures that they show us in hollywood they've been showing us this stuff for years you don't realize that that's what the the actual outcome they desire that's what they want and they've been prepping humans for this for years they've been um with our food water air everything that they they're trying to change us biologically medical systems pharmaceuticals we are not the same humans that, that my grandparents were um you know, you can just see that. You can see it in our our work ethic. You can see it in our health. You can see it in many aspects of everyone's lives these days that we are not the same healthy humans as we were. But think about, you know, 100, 200, 1,000, maybe 2,000, 10,000 years ago, what kind of humans we were and the abilities that we probably had that have been suppressed uh, for a long time now. But now we don't need those abilities anymore because we have the internet, because we have the metaverse, because we can just plug in and be whatever we want. You know, you can be a donkey, you can be a horse, an alien, a superhero, uh, a boy or a girl or whatever the hell. It doesn't matter because you're not even a human anymore. You're um, you're technology with a little bit of biology that used to be there and i think that's the whole goal and uh, that's what we need to fight against right now this is what we need to um to start re pushing the opposite direction we can't just blindly go into this technocratic metaverse that they're pushing it into because this is the uh, this is the end of natural human evolution in my eyes Yes, yes. Oh, let me fix the technology as you told yeah. that. <laughs> oh, is it gonna work? Uh, and I just want to fix this lighting. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. The tech didn't like what I was saying, I guess. Yeah, it got mad because I was dissing technology. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Had to start a little uh, pushback. Little pushback. Tech didn't like what you had to say. Yeah. Uh, wow. I mean, you bring up like a thousand points, which we could talk about for the whole podcast. Um, <clears throat> where do I want to take this? I, I think I want to start with it kind of intertwines into, you know, when I asked you what it means to be human. And you also bring up a point in, you know, you say the occultists, they, these groups of uh, beings I'm kind of tying it into the unconscious and the you know what makes humans so unique is our ability to for myth and for storytelling so for me when I look at when I interpret what you what you've said it's almost like 
you know, this is a reflection of all the, maybe the myths and the stories that we're creating in our own minds, projecting out and just reflecting back to us and playing out. Because if you look at the, at least the unconscious myth that seems to be guiding us, guiding these occultists, it's like an atheistic, materialistic, reductionist kind of myth that's driving this whole thing. So I think on a collective level, are we actually co-creating this whole thing that's playing out now? Is this just due to our ability to storytell and uh, create these myths consciously and unconsciously, right? Because if we bring into the shadow, it's a whole being in and of itself that's writing all these stories. And I think subconsciously human on a collective level at least seem to want to create an apocalypse we want to destroy our own selves it's almost like we're going through this death of life uh, which is just a reflection of our own shadow in my opinion so i'm just wondering your your thoughts on those first couple comments Uh, i think that that's highly probable that we uh, i know we are we're creators as humans as whatever we are spiritual entities here we are creators we're here to create things and i think somewhere along the lines we uh we created some some wrong things and we made them maybe made mistakes and we kind of made more mistakes to tr- to make up for the mistakes we made and it kept going as a perpetual type of um destruction of the original blueprint of what we're supposed to be because once we made a mistake and tried to correct it with another mistake we don't know where we came from looking back and how to get back to that that uh status quo that we started at and i think it's just um, after thousands of years of that uh, as a collective making mistakes and not doing things right and killing each other and wars and wanting power and you know the way we've set up elite societies with the way we've set up royalty um economics education it's all based on mistakes that we tried to correct with more mistakes Mm -hmm. and i think that led us to where we are now and what's going to happen is it's it's a bunch of mistakes built on top of mistakes which is the worst kind of foundation ever it's all about to crumble and fall down and that's what we're witnessing right now we're witnessing a a non-sustainable system that we've built for ourselves no matter who does it we're all a part of it you know it's all our collective heading towards an area because even if we didn't put the idea forward we participated in it and we kept participating in it and we didn't question it for thousands of years and we kept building upon a shaky foundation and what's going to happen now one more pile of shit on that and it's all going to come crumbling down and i and i know this is going to happen within our lifetimes this is going to happen soon at least economically uh financially I don't see any of our systems that we have right now being sustainable in any way. Um, So, but what is encouraging is there are people that see this, that have seen this for a long time and people are branching off and starting their own businesses, starting their own communities, starting their own things to where when this mainstream society collapses, we can maybe have a little bit of a foundation that was built right the right way to start out with. And I'm glad to see that people are starting over in their own ways and breaking off of this system before it crumbles. And I've tried to do that myself as much as I can. You know, I'm growing my own food. Uh, I'm out of the city. Uh, I'm trying to learn as much as I can about uh, being sustainable by myself uh, outside of uh, daddy government and anything that uh, that's sustained me before. So, you know, if I think everybody needs to start taking those steps towards that direction to where when this thing crumbles, they're not stuck at the bottom of it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, in essence, we need to, from a conscious point of view, we need to grow up, become true individuals and take responsibility for our lives and stop externalizing it into the hands of a TV or a government or, you know, whatever else you, you're relying on. Um, but I want to I want to kind of circle back around to technology and maybe a little bit on artificial intelligence. I was recently listening to uh, William Hem- William Henry on uh, Open Minds with Regina Meredith, and he towards the end of that amazing conversation talked about I'm blanking on his name, but he came up with the Gaia hypothesis 
you know, that Gaia isn't a live sentient being. The guy's about 101 years old right now and writing a new book about this concept that uh, what if Mother Nature has created artificial intelligence or robots to actually kick off humanity uh, and bring them back into balance because we're acting like parasites on the planet at the moment and a good way to maybe wipe us out and develop an intelligent life form at the same time maybe to do that through uh, artificial intelligence. So I don't like, it's a, you know, something I would need to sit with and meditate on, but I just like want to throw that out there because I think it's a, a unique perspective that we don't hear too often. And yeah, we'd just love to get your perspective on that. Well, um, I think that humans have been around a lot longer than we'll ever know, probably maybe even always, you know, we, mm. I think, advanced humans have always been here in some form um that being said i think that we could have had um technologies and what was the the, the question oh ai okay I, we could have created ai uh millions of years ago we could we could have done this i don't know if it's necessarily nature and it, you know, it could have been a, a wonderful form of technology that we uh, embraced at some point. Um, and just like everything else we've done, we, we mucked it up sometime and it took over everything. Now, that's just one of many possibilities. I've heard some uh, researchers believe that there's an AI that came from outer space that's attached itself to humanity. Some people think that's what the demiurge is and Gnosticism, that it's some kind of cosmic AI that's invaded everybody, which is highly possible. You know, I think humans are infected with, if you want to call it AI or, or some kind of parasite for sure. I think each and every one of us is, is, has some sort of attachment or parasite that is holding us back in certain ways. I know I did, and I, I probably, you know, I probably still do. I don't know for sure, but I, I've gone to um, people who work with these things. I've gone to mediums and int intuitives, and I've actually had uh, attachments removed. So these things are, whether they're AI or they're spiritual, I don't think it really matters because at, at some point, I think we're all like some kind of artificial intelligence at some point if we were created you know it's 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 you know it's biological artificial but i don't know man that's a tough one and it's it's something that i think we should uh, we should look at but i don't think it would it would matter as far as where we're going and the i think that if it is something that it's being defeated naturally i think that people are breaking out of whatever spell that they were under uh whatever parasite had hold of us for for many years it's kind of i see people breaking out of it and coming around but i also see people that are very stuck in it and going deeper and deeper into it and i think that was the idea with a lot of the agendas that came out with a lot of the technology that they want to merge with people, the, the shots, all this stuff, it could have had a, an effect on people's evolution, spiritual evolution. I yeah. mean, for God's sakes, Bill, Bill Gates did a Ted talk about removing the uh, spirituality and the God gene from people with vaccinations. There's so, that atheistic uh, yeah. philosophy. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot that could be happening as far as uh, entities or AI or something that is mucking with us. Uh, but I think we're breaking out of it. And I think that we can find other ways to break ourselves out of whatever it is that's kind of invaded us and leading us in the wrong direction. And yeah. I have hopes, man. I have hopes that the more people that break out of it, it's like a contagious thing and it'll keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely an interesting rabbit hole to, to dive down. And what you've brought up in my awareness is uh, one of the podcasts I listened to on your show. I think it was Jeff Doherty might have been his name, but he was talking about that, you know, from his perspective, 95% of negative entities, archons, demons, call them what you want, maybe even artificial intelligence may just be thought forms. And, you know, something that we've actually created in and of itself, which, again, I resonate with that because I'm so into the shadow and the unconscious and that we're probably dreaming these things up unconsciously, uh, you know, to our own demise. I think you're right. Uh, I think 
lots of things that we consider to be evil or demonic or thought forms or egregores or things that we've manifested up through uh, collective fears and even individual. I mean, our emotions can be so powerful and there's so much energy behind it. And where does it go? Especially if it's, you know, if it is being attached to uh, a thought form that could possibly be uh, in- construed as an entity um, and something like, you know, the devil, a demon, um, all these things that are that kind of play on our deepest, darkest psyche and fears. And if we uh, if we put enough energy into it, if we are scared enough and we think about it all the time, and maybe there's a group of people that are scared of this, you know, like uh, a, a group of a small community that's afraid that there's a monster outside of the, in the woods in the, the community. Devil. And you know? Yeah, it's the same thing. And if they if they give it enough power, could it make it real? I think so. I think that we've seen this lots. And I think that what we consider the devil right now, if it exists, it's because we put it there. We gave it power to do so. So I think you're right. You're spot on there. Yeah, I think the same thing from one perspective. This isn't an absolute. But when we look at the whole COVID situation, you know, I still haven't seen any evidence that this viruses in general actually exist. But as a collective, when you plant that idea, that concept, that theory in the minds, who's who's to say that the collective won't dream up an actual something like a virus that actually then attacks people and then will even manifest the test to confirm that our beliefs are true? Yeah, man, I had a very interesting experience with that just recently. Um, a couple of weeks ago, my girlfriend got what she thought was COVID. She was really bad, really sick. I was, I was around her all day, all night, sleeping the same, but drinking after her, kissed her, you know, everything. And like, I didn't get sick at all. Uh, after she felt better, I, for some reason... I kind of started internalizing it and thinking about, well, man, what if I do get sick? And this is like the the day after she's starting to feel better. And I I like gave it some thought for about an hour worrying about it. Like, oh, wait, do I have what's going on? I might get sick. The next day I was sick as a dog. I was like, I couldn't get out of bed. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to call it COVID. I was sick. There was something wrong with me. Imbalance. Uh, you know, yeah, there was a major imbalance, but I, I realized that I gave it power and I'm, I allowed whatever that was inside of me. And, and once I realized that took a couple of hours, took a nice shower, went out for a walk, meditated, stopped thinking about it, got it all. I felt perfectly fine ever. Like it was literally a few hours of COVID or whatever this people want to call it bullshit. Uh, and it was mental. It was all because I gave it power and it crept in. Uh, and it was gone after that, you know, I, I realized that's what it was and it just kind of crept away. And I think that's what a lot of sickness in humanity, I'm not saying, you know, all diseases and cancers and sicknesses are in our mind, but it contributes for sure. And I think that it opens doors for, uh, what we considered, uh, bacterias or germs or whatever this is that cause, uh, us to have a reaction to, uh, have to cause our body to naturally kind of want to expel what the negative thing is. And that's what people construe as sickness. And uh, it's, I think it's very emotional and very mental. Mm, That's a powerful example. Thank you so much for sharing that because I would go as far to say that probably 95% of people's diseases, imbalances, are a product of the mind because we are a mind body body mind there is no separation there is an instantaneous feedback and reaction your physiology has to your thoughts instantaneous your cells right now are shifting and shaping based on your state of mind right now instantaneous there's no uh time delay whatsoever and so I think the whole medical industry is a, a it's a magic trick. It's mm. it's a deception to keep us lifelong customers, to keep us in a perpetual state of sickness, but not because we're making ourselves. It's because the medications and the solutions that the medical industry and pharmaceuticals are giving us are 
making us sick, are keeping us in a certain perpetual state of health and keeping us from achieving, I believe, a lot of uh, consciousness abilities and opening up parts of our brains that have been shut off. And these pharmaceuticals keep that stuff closed. They keep us in a zombified state. And that's, I think that's the whole idea behind allopathic medicine, uh, why they, they stopped naturopathy and changed our whole system and went to pharmaceuticals. And that's the answer for everybody is to, you know, to, if you don't feel good, go, go take a pill for it. And then the pill is going to kill you or keep you sick or make you sicker or make you need another pill, a different pill. So you go to get a pill to take care of that false sickness that the pill you took before gave you. And that's Americans. And that's the whole world right now. It's yeah, it's insane. I could go on a long rant about the pharmaceutical industry as you, as you for sure know. Um, but interestingly, I will make one point, you know, when you look at the origins of allopathic medicine, or at least the pharmaceutical industry, as you know, it was, you know, it stems out of the oil industry and, uh, you know, the Rockefellers seeing that they can patent uh, different, you know, like oil combinations to make pharmaceuticals. But at the time, everybody was still holistic health, naturopathy, working with herbs. So how do you introduce pharmaceuticals into that kind of society? Well, you create a myth that something has come out of nature, out of the environment to attack you. You know, it's that whole problem, reaction, solution. And they've just continued to perfect that until this time. And COVID is the exact same thing. Every other viral uh, a hoax has just been uh, the idea that something is out to attack you and that you need to rely on us. And then obviously, you know, he ended up building schools around that whole philosophy of contagion theory and then brainwashed the masses into believing this. I mean, you got to give them credit. They're quite good at <laughs> what they do. Eh? Well, that's the thing. They, they have been very good for a long time, but the newer generations have fallen off the tracks. It's like um, their inbred uh, offspring is not doing too good of a job anymore and making mistakes, and people are seeing through it. Um, it just the mainstream media, for for example, look at the Biden presidency. We we don't even know if this dude's real, if he's wearing a mask, if he's a uh, if he's on set most of the time. Uh, most of it is he's. He is on a set most of the most of his appearances, but I've seen it to where it looks like another dude wearing a mask of Biden before. I've seen it where it's a completely different guy. There's no way it's Biden. I've seen if it is Biden, he's like sleeping or drugged up or maybe even dead, like a weekend at Bernie's type thing. So that's an example of just the the fakery and the amount of theater that is put on to keep us believing in this system. It's all theater. I mean, uh, world leaders, I'm pretty sure most of them are just actors. Mm -hmm. The CIA and Hollywood have such a tight relationship. Hollywood writes for CIA, CIA writes for Hollywood. They write basically scripts for our life, scripts for uh, tragedies and traumas and things that we're going to go through. It's responsible for, for Hollywood writers that give it to the three-letter agencies that then implement uh, staged events and false flags and shootings and uh, COVID and all these things to keep us uh, believing that we need them. We need daddy government. We need what they're providing us to survive because if not we're screwed if without daddy government well, i mean how can we even live but that's the whole idea and people are starting to break through that illusion right now which is a wonderful thing they do not want us to know how many people are breaking out of the spell right now that's why we'll never find out from the mainstream media if people are going against narratives or not the only way we find that out is by talking to each other, being on each other's shows, doing things like this. We get kind of gauge where a majority of people stand. And from the amount of people I've talked to and from everything that I've realized, I think the majority of people are done with the bullshit. They're done participating in this false system. And that's the last thing they want us to know, because if we realize we're the majority – that's big trouble for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, by them, I think it's a lot smaller amount of people than we give that we will ever know, but it's a large enough to where uh, they can still pull enough strings and uh, cause the illusion that they're still in control, really.
Yeah, yeah. And so that, that kind of leads into my, my question, the illusion of control. Well, two things that you mentioned. Um, you've obviously had, uh, how many people have you interviewed on your show, actually? Over a thousand? Uh, I, I have over a, a thousand shows total, but some of those were old news reports that I used to do. I mean, I'd say easily I've interviewed probably over six, 700 people. Yeah. Wow. So you've obviously heard tons and tons of perspectives um, on this specific thing that I'm going to ask you, which is who do you think is, you know, if we use the pyramid hierarchy, who are the actual beings at the top? from a you know human physical perspective and then two uh your perspective on the on the origins of government if you i don't know how much you understand about that i do remember there was only one podcast i listened to of yours ages ago well not ages like 2020 um and they yeah they brought up the point that basically the government were a group of people who convinced the public that they ha- had some sort of um, a benefit to give to society. They basically conned us into thinking we needed them. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, you want to have a stab at those two questions? Well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's royalty. Government, it means mind control. Uh, that's exactly what it means. Yeah. Um, it's the Roman Empire that, uh, that's basically still in control today. Uh, and you're right. It's just, you know, it's a group of individuals that are in better positions than, um, 90% of the rest of the population. And they were, you know, either born into that or, you know, they, well, that's it. You know, they were born into these positions of power and this, these bloodlines, they keep the power within divine right to rule. And they, you know, it's multi-generational either, uh, trauma and abuse to keep the further generations in line and along the same uh, thought process as the previous. And that's where we get the, 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 the oligarchies and the leaders and the governments from thousands of years of multi-generational mind control and abuse to keep them in a certain state of mind. And government is mind control. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it means. Uh, what was that first question you asked? Just who they actually are on a physical. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't think anyone knows who I think the people we see on the TV, they're like maybe middle management, the people that you hear about Rothschilds, Klaus Schwab, still middle management, I believe. Uh, I don't think we'll ever know who is at the toppy tippy tippy top. Um, Big dogs. Yeah. That's all. Uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's, yeah, I, th- I think it's either they are hiding in plain sight, and we do, we've seen their faces, but they'll never let us know how much power they actually have, or we just don't know who these individuals are. Uh, just, I think that they are part of elite bloodlines that go back to Babylonian death cults, um, that go back to um, a time in uh, of Sumerian mythos. Mm-hmm. Um, I do... I do believe that whether there was celestial entities or it was just advanced humans, that somewhere along the lines, we, um, we got taken over by these beings or humans that had either more mental capabilities or uh, more technical capabilities than the rest of the world at that time. And they were looked at as gods, and they were revered. And these these gods, these these people, or aliens, or whatever they were, they started their their bloodline. They started their government. They started their their um, kingdom, their, their kingdoms, and they were rulers, kings and queens for these people because we they all worshipped them for whatever reason, whether they, like I said, smarter, had technology, uh, whether they were taller, just bigger beings, you know, elongated skulls look different. You know, I, I get the feeling that they were just different types of humans in, in yes. antiquity, in our, in our history, that we, they had plenty of different types of humanoids, whether they were tall or giants or little people or elongated skull people or yeah. just different looking. Um, and I think that could have caused the majority of the population that didn't look like them or didn't act like them to maybe worship them or think that they were something that they weren't. And I think that's what leads us to where we are now is those original 
beings that were being worshipped, they their bloodlines are somehow still in control of everything, mm-hmm. and maybe they just bred out the weird lookingness in them, or you know maybe they they still look like that, and that's the people we don't see. You know maybe there's giants behind, maybe there's elongated skull people that are in control of all this, and we're just never gonna see them because they freak people out. Mm-hmm. But it's it's all possibilities. I just don't think we'll ever 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 know who's at the very tippy top. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I definitely in alignment with you there that it is uh, along those lines of probably yeah something like that. But you you bring up uh, an interesting point in the worshiping aspect, and, and my question is kind of I guess what came first was it the humans or the worshiping being genetically modified into the humans? You know, were were there already existing humans, or have all humans kind of? been uh genetically modified from the very beginning i wonder what See, you- i'm wondering if that was just a misunderstanding or a misinterpretation that we were genetically modified because I, I i i'm on the fence of that i i somehow think that we've always been this type of human like we've always been advanced maybe we were taught i know i do subscribe to the belief that psychedelics had a huge effect in our evolution in our consciousness evolution not necessarily physical but i think our ancient ancestors ate some mushrooms or something and they one day they weren't so smart and the next day they knew a lot more than they did before because of the profound powers of psychedelics and plant medicines and mushrooms and I think that's one of the cave paintings as well yeah, yeah exactly and that's the, that's the i think that's the purpose for them the perp, the reason they were here is to evolve us to get us thinking in a certain way and uh i think that's mushrooms and psychedelics and plant medicine is the uh, number one catalyst for human evolution, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, it brings up something interesting, right? Like what we're getting at is the origins of human beings in, in its essence, uh, you know, and this opens up a whole can of worms, depending like how deep you are into flat earth, like, because what I'm driving at is this, like, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Robert Gilbert from the Vesica Institute. I don't know if you uh, are aware of him, but amazing amazing human being Uh, and he was talking about applying sacred geometry into our lives and he was just talking about the foundation of the circle and of the sphere and that this is kind of the foundation to sacred geometry uh, because everything is balanced within a circle Uh, once you create a circle you encapsulate source which is holographic so even though you've encapsulated it you still have the whole thing inside of the circle and the middle point is the entry point into that but what he also emphasizes that the that a sphere is what creates life forms is what creates uh i guess you could say the the flow of consciousness and so you know i would tend to probably subscribe on a more esoteric level maybe something like what Steiner says is to not think that we came from other places in the universe, but that our whole entire solar system is uh, coordinated towards the development of the human being. And so I think probably like what you're saying is that we are spontaneously and naturally a part of the creation of this planet. We're just one of those life forms that have on an esoteric level arised out of the, out of the center of that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's an, it's interesting. You said that I was, um, I was looking at some of the research that people like um, Johnny Enoch and uh, I forgot the other individual that he's, he was giving a tour of Egypt, uh, Muhammad Abraham. They were showing, images of carvings outside of megalithic structures and there was more than a few where they would have like this door going to nowhere but they would have ears on the side of it and Mm. it was you know obviously portraying human head and ears and this door was like right where your pineal gland was it makes me think that this everything we're seeing all this physical reality it's, it's like the matrix. It's fake. It's we're plugged into this to experience but inside ourselves um, is the universe inside if you we go that's what through meditation um, that's how we, we experience different realms that's how we experience astral travel that's how we experience contact with different entities i think the whole going to space is to keep us from going in to ourselves and experiencing and discovering the universe through ourselves because i think that's the only way we're going to do it brother uh you know i through meditation i've 
I've achieved wonderful things. I've gone amazing, beautiful places and talked with spirit guides and entities and probably extraterrestrial beings. But this was just through meditation or, you know, psychedelics and meditation, but mainly just through meditation, I've able, I've been able to achieve this and anyone can. And I think that's the number one type of uh, psychological operation that keeps people looking out to the stars and wondering what's out there. You know, I think that's the answer to the universe. That's where everything is. And we go to go out there and explore space and find out what's going on. But no, I think we just need to explore it within ourselves. In a space. That's where all the answers answers of the universe are yeah we got to go into inner space well we got to first realize that the source of the universe we see out there is projected from within here like the 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 whole entire blueprint of what we see out there is where the human body at from a metaphorical perspective is like uh the projector of a movie you know like the lights the the heart's almost like that you know the the prism or whatever that filters the light that allows us to see this like it is no difference between the inner Mm. inner and outer world and if anything the external world is the manifestation of your internal state of mind so the only way to change that external world is like you said go inside to the source of the reflection but we've been so hardwired to externalize and be focused on materialism and think that we need saviors and everything else that we've just completely disconnected yeah you're right and i you know we know um most of us know in this community that the the moon landing is fake um that all the images we see from nasa is fake now that being said i am in no way a flat earther i don't think we're on a pancake on a turtle's back or whatever they believe um i don't think that uh, anyone really knows except for maybe those in the, the that do know uh, what we what we're on and what we're experiencing here. Um, I, I think it's more of a a state of being as far as it's just it's just us. We are projecting this, like you said. Um, we're projecting our reality and beyond. And as far as our imagination and as far as our belief system can go, is as far as we can get out there. Um, but I think that what they're doing with, you know, outer space and, and rocketry, it's all some sort of, um, you know, uh, those are occult uh, obelisk uh, symbolisms and um, bile, bell worship for sure, what they're doing with a lot of the stuff in NASA. Um, and it always has been, it's just been some type of esoteric symbolism and honor to these uh, gods that, they, that they've always been uh, paying homage to. And I think that's what NASA is all about. It's just a huge occult organization um, trying to work with the energies of the cosmos to bring about certain types of outcomes. I think that's why they launch rockets into the sky. This is some type of symbolic offering to their gods, to Kronos, to whatever these guys believe is going to give them power on Earth. Now, is there an outer space? Is there aliens? Is there the moon out there where we can, you know, where it's an actual physical ball and, you know, all these planets are out there? I don't know. You know, I, um, I don't discount that there is, but I am not 100% that there is either. Uh, I think that it's way different than we could ever understand. And it's mainly a distraction from what we should really be looking at. Um, and organizations like NASA, all of our black project money, all of this stuff that supposedly NASA has been using for, for spacecraft has been going into the darkest of dark black projects and clandestine groups to uh, basically control the planet and control everything that they do behind the scenes. And it's not because they're doing space travel or sending out satellites or really taking pictures out there. Uh, that's all fake. That's all a front for whatever else they're doing. Uh, and I think the, the sooner that most people, you know, stop arguing over is the, is the world flat? Can we go? Is there aliens yeah. coming from? And just realize that this is a deception uh, and that it is not what we're being told. That's a good place to start. And I think that, you know, people who are flat earth researchers, they're doing some great research. They're bringing up great points 
that astrophysicists and astrologers can't rebuke. And I'm still waiting for some of these guys to come out and say, no, that's, that's why this is the way it is. You know, it's not really like this, but there's no arguments that I'm hearing against it. So it's very interesting. And I just think that this place is much more special and different than we'll ever be told. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's well said. Now, surprisingly, I would disagree with some of those things in, and I'm not going to, we don't need to uh, have a necessary dialogue about this um, uh, just because like you said, it can get into just distraction. And I want to wrap this up with talking about the, so just some of the inner work we can be doing, but I'll, I'll just share my perspective with you. So uh, you can see where uh, I'm coming from. Uh, surprisingly, just quickly on the moon landing, I would subscribe to the perspective that yes, we went there, but yes, we lied about it. For me, at least from the research that I've done, that makes the most sense um and that the thing is i think with nasa i for sure agree with like 80 percent of what you said i would say i take the perspective that majority of what uh you know these big corporations share with us is krivda this word that means crooked truth so i think there is something to it we just need to straighten it out we just need to use uh discernment as like really actually use discernment not just like shallowly like for me at least in my unique reality and the filters that i've got in my mind um i would tend to yeah say that um i think there's crooked truth in it and if uh, i would actually love to see a flat earther with all their great points have a discussion with Walt Thornhill from the electric universe, because I think most of the astrophysicists and physicists in general and astronomers and everything that these flat earthers are arguing, arguing or debating uh, are actually operating in a terrible paradigm within and of itself with all of Einstein's ideas and everything that the electric universe just throws out because it was uh you know, just put on a pedestal at the time to control the masses because it was becoming scientism, not real science, which we lost a long time ago. Um, So I think it'd be much, yeah, I I just want to make that final point that it'd be interesting with someone from the electric universe to uh, actually get into a debate with them because I really find their model quite elegant and beautiful and simple. A lot of the views of cosmology and everything out there is just too complex the mathematics that people get into where they're just making up symbols and shit and mathematics doesn't explain anything it only describes stuff um i think that would be interesting i think that would be so interesting i love the electric universe theory i think that's probably one of the most plausible out there but if that is the, the the way it is then there's no way we could have gotten even out of our atmosphere the way they said we did. I mean, yeah. they have duct tape on these freaking things for God's sake. <laughs> it's not getting to outer space. So if we did, you know, we have some kind of wormhole technology or some kind of advanced technology, some kind of advanced rocketry, not the regular propulsion that we've seen, uh, you know, scooting up there to outer space. There's right. no way, but I, you know, I love the electric, you know, I think there's a lot to it. And I think yeah. there's a lot of sense made there, but if that's true, there's no way we're going to space uh, through plasma like that. So it's interesting either way. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it's great to hear that you've you dived into that because I think it's just, yeah, an important perspective to have, especially in this space uh, that we're in when you get into some of the things. Oh, I've got about a hundred different theories that could be going <laughs> around in my mind at all times. So, you know, <laughs> that's what it's like when you get, yeah, at, at some stage, you're like, it's just all of the above. Like, there's no yeah, point. It could be all of it. Yeah. You know, there's no point just to, going to absolutisms but rather than just being the observer and remaining open to i probably won't even know fully this this life yeah. probably won't be till i exit the gate and that's okay i mean that doesn't affect me either way yeah exactly I mean, honestly yeah. you know i mean, I mean yeah experience everything i need to exactly and for me i guess you might get like this too with the statement you just shared but sometimes you get to a point in some of these rabbit holes where it's like does this even fucking influence me like the answer yeah. you get so deep and you, you've, you've wasted so much time on it and by the time you get to the bottom of it, you're like why did i even waste this much time on this this yeah. is irrelevant yeah i should have been yeah, investing that time into <laughs> into going within 
into doing yeah. that inner work. And so oh, yeah. to wrap this podcast up, let's let's talk just a little bit about that inner work. Like, what does that actually mean to you? Because you hear people do the inner work, just meditate, just do this, do that. But what are we actually doing inside of the mind? Are we doing, are we actually intentionally using the mind to rehabilitate ourselves? Are we, you know, journaling? And like, what does that inner work actually look like from, from your perspective? Well, I think it's different for every single person. I can only speak Relative, to my yeah. personal personal inner work yes meditation was included yes self-reflection even psychedelics were included um but they were all used in uh con conjunction with me having a goal of working through uh e either childhood traumas or things that have formed my personality and the things that i do today that i I'm not too happy with that I would like to change or better. And it's about getting to that root. What caused this certain part of your personality to be this way that you won't don't approve of what is causing problems in your life? What is causing problems in relationships? And you get to the root and whether it's going back through meditation, um, but it's not only finding the root, you got to face it. Like, cause some of this stuff is dark. Some of it's hard. Some of it's nasty and you don't want to look back at those things, but you have to face it and you have to embrace it and you have to give it a hug. You gotta, you gotta hug the nasty stuff. And that is the hardest, like you got to, it's all part of you. And once you work through it, you gotta, you know, I mean, you gotta dig deep and every aspect of that, whatever event or whatever, um, trauma you've had in your life you have to explore every piece of it until it doesn't hurt anymore to think about it until you can just you know talk about it and it's like it's nothing for me that was the only way to get past certain things you have to dissect and tear apart the nasties anything that's that's holding you back in your life any childhood traumas anything you're not proud of yourself doing you got to take that out pull it out and go on a date with it for maybe a month if you have to maybe two months maybe you got to you know court that sucker for a year and you just rip it apart and talk to it and get to that nasty memory and find out why it's still there until you love it until you don't care anymore until you can just spend time with it and it's like you know it's like your best friend and you don't even care anymore it's just a part of you yeah. Uh, and it doesn't hurt anymore. And that's, that's the point where I've gotten to, and I still have lots of work to do, lots of things that I got need to go out on those little dates with and spend some time with. Uh, but for me, that's, that's it. That is what you have to do is find those things that, that you are not happy with about yourself and uh, spend some time with it and get to know it until you know it well enough to where it's not affecting you anymore. Yes. Uh, and that's just what worked for me. <laughs> Yeah, I would totally agree. I mean, I would encapsulate a lot of that within working with the unconscious or, or shadow work. Um, it, it brings up a, a statement that uh, I, that my good friend Ben Calder shared with me that he heard from Ken Wilber about, you know, when you're doing shadow work, you, essentially you're accepting these aspects of yourself that you deny, you despise, that you have repressed into the unconscious, that you quote unquote don't like, that are not you. You know, when you fully accept a part of you, he says that you will notice it more out in the world, but it bothers you less. And I think that's a powerful point to get to. And you can see people doing the things that you despise, you see yourself doing, notice it, but it doesn't affect you. You can just let the ball kind of run on past and you don't project or take on that projection. That's it, man. A hundred percent. It also goes back to that kind of observer aspect of, well, you know, you can take yourself out and watch it play out and understand it. And once you have an understanding of it, you can jump back in and face it. Mm. Well, how much of our issues are just perspective? Like we, yeah. we go through an experience and we choose to see, generally, we choose to see it as completely positive or completely negative. Most of the time, we trauma comes from a polarized, one-sided perception of something negative happened to me. But that's just one perspective on the experience. There's like 15, 20, an infinitude, you know? There's a superposition of perspectives you can take on any given experience, but we solidify one. And like we spoke about, the mind-body are connected. 
if you have a negative perspective that you choose to take on an experience, your body will probably, you know, your cells will coagulate or whatever happens on that physiological level. It's something else we do. We take on other people's perceived perceptions of what they feel about you because of that experience. We take on other people's thoughts and not even their thoughts, but what we think they're thinking about you because of that situation. And we hold on to that. And that adds on to the negativity of these experiences that we have to get rid of. You have to like separate everyone from yourself and just look at it as you and not from anyone else's perspective for sure. It's literally all of you, all you. Yeah, like you said, your perception of them, what they're thinking of you, is your own perspective. Mm-hmm. Like you cause your own suffering based on like the meaning you give to uh, something as simple as that, which social media amplifies the fuck out of comparison and what people think of me and people I don't even know and this and that and we wonder why we're suffering. I mean, we we are our own worst enemy. We, we so are. That's, it. it's a, that's the best way you could put it. You know, for sure, man. But we're we we got to be our own best friend. You know, we got to have that that duality that balance. Yeah. When we, when we synthesize the two, you know, when you have two polar opposites, you have potential. You have charge. You got energy. And that's a powerful place to operate from. I mean, well, I I would reframe that to maybe not operating in the center, but operating in both simultaneously. I think I've come to, you know, that realization through having Amanda Vollmer on the podcast and a few others that shared that, you know, is it about operating in the center of the duality or is it about operating in both simultaneously? What do you say? Yeah, man, that's a good point. Um, uh, you know, I'd have to say that, you know, if you were, if you're able to work in both simultaneously, you've probably achieved, uh, a, a something in your spiritual life, a level that many others have not, if you're able to put yourself in both spaces at the same time. And that's, that would be one of the ultimate goals. I think everybody should have for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Chris, I mean, I could, you know, talk to you for hours, brother, but I think we can, uh, we can wrap up this good first dialogue and uh, I'll happily invite you on for a round two to get into some more good stuff. Uh, I did want to give you the opportunity to uh, share a bit more about, uh, I heard on your podcast, you've been bringing people together in terms of like, from an agricultural standpoint, you know, with um, farm. Yeah, I um... I just started working with Food Forest Abundance. They're one of our new sponsors, and they uh, they work with people to to build their own sustainable systems, their own gardens, their own basically food forest in their backyard. But what I want to do is I want to connect people who are doing this, connect farmers, connect people who are having their own sustainable communities, their own uh, their own gardens, their own food production and connect them and connect them across the United States. I've already collected about maybe 10 emails of people that have contacted me wanting to just make these connections. And, you know, once I get enough of these people connected, we start introducing, we start having meetings together and connecting. And, uh, you know, I wanted to make it easier for, first of all, for these people to know each other and, and get connected. And I think this is a great way, you know, if people can email me and I can get them connected to each other, I think that's a great way to have have like this network of sustainable communities to where if the system does crash and everything comes down, you know, uh, to a crazy level that we will have each other. We will have this network across the United States of sustainable communities and farmers and hard workers and people that want to take care of each other and not falling for the bullshit. And yeah, that's what I'm, I'm ultimately would love to do. And I'm, I'm starting it bit by bit. And if you would like to get your name on this connected community list, I have had it, I've started already. Email me forbiddenknowledgenews at gmail.com. You get put on the uh, community list. And as soon as we get a bunch of these together, we can start getting meetings together and connecting you guys and uh, just have something to, you know, a new kind of a collective community fall back on if the world goes to shit <laughs> yeah good on you brother thank you so much for for doing that you know it's definitely needed and and you know you taking the initiative hopefully inspires others to begin to do the same thing because like you said you know if we need to separate from this system and begin to build a new one no one else is going to build it but us we've invested a whole bunch of energy into this system 
you know, we can invest this equal amount of energy into building a whole new uh, amazing one, at least in the, in the time that we have here on earth. Um, mm -hmm. Where else can people connect with you? Forbidden Knowledge News podcast, ForbiddenKnowledgeNews.com. Uh, well, the website's ForbiddenKnowledge.News. Um, we are on Rockfin. That's where you get our premium content. You find us on all podcast platforms. The website, you got everything there. You got links to everything. Um, and we're, we're limited on YouTube. We put mainly clips on there because of the censorship. But that's where you find us. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, and you have a whole network of podcasts as well. I had... Karenknowledge.news. Yeah, We've got about eight or nine podcasts we feature there. Those are amazing. And yeah, Karen's on there too. Yeah, shout out to Karen. We love you, Karen. You're the best. Um, amazing, Chris. Brother, thank you for all the work you do out there in the world. You know, I love your podcast. I'm always dipping in when uh, something pops up that really, really intrigues me. I'm a, I'm a hard person to get to listen to podcasts. You really got to, you know, put out something juicy and deep and interesting for me to jump into the, into the podcast world. So thank you for being one of those people. I appreciate having your voice up in my ears and your guests. Oh, thank you, uh, and yeah, just a whole lot of love for you for the inner work you do. You know, we're entangled. So the work you do on yourself ripples out into me and all the listeners. So appreciate you on that level, brother. Thank you, man. I appreciate all the kind words and uh, I'd love to do this anytime, man. This is, this was awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll set up another one for sure. People hope you love this podcast. Hope you enjoyed it and extracted some high quality value from it. If you did appreciate the likes, the ratings, the comments, the reviews, you can now do reviews on Spotify. So if you want to go to the top of the page and leave a five-star rating, that would be excellent. And on Apple, go down to the bottom of the page. They help with the algorithm and everything like that. So if you enjoyed this, support your boy back with a simple rating and review. I love you guys so much. Thanks for the support. And we'll see you on the next episode. Peace.